Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Oh, it's so great to be with you. I was thinking uh, this week to myself as I was preparing for the show that I think since my early 20s, I started diving into books that were self-help in nature, books that I could learn something on how how to be the, the best self I could be, how I could reach my goals and dreams, um, things like that, basically. Yes, I love the novel and I love, you know, exciting mysteries and things like that. And especially in the summer, those those fun reads for the summer. But for the most part, I think the books that have gotten my attention are books that help provide a signpost, a sort of guidance uh, into living your best life. Our, my first guest is Max Gold. He has just written, he's not even an author, but he just wrote his first book. It's wonderful, a uh, metaphoric book and a guide work book to help you find your way and be your best self. It's called Plainstorming. Yes, you heard me right. Not brainstorming, but Plainstorming, taking your life to new heights. And you're going to need a pen as you get involved with his book, because there's a lot of writing you're going to be doing and self-reflecting. Then Milan Cordestani joins me. He has written an incredible book. He's a very young guy who has started several companies already in the world in his early 20s and is truly changing the way business is being done. His book is called I'm Just Saying, A Guide to Maintaining Civil Discourse in an Increasingly Divided World, Milan Cordesani. So many wonderful things. And then we're going to even talk about wonderful Eglin's Best Eggs and how nutritional they are for you. And that just fits right in with the fact that this program, The Way Home, is always sponsored by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. That's nutritional as well. Because in addition to your protein, like eggs and uh, lean meats and fish, we need fruits and vegetables to the tune of 10 servings per day. You, you heard that right. 10 servings per day. The only way I know how to get as many as that and in the best and easiest way possible and not spending and breaking the bank is by buying Balance of Nature. The fruits and vegetables are all in there, a variety of 31 of them to the tune of 10 servings a day when you take three of the vegetable capsules three of the fruit capsules. It's a remarkable product. I've been taking it for over 12 years, as is my entire family and uh, many friends as well, and lots of listeners to the program. Because if you have been watching lately some TV and also listening to lots of radio, Balance of Nature is telling personal stories from people who have been taking their capsules. And it's very exciting because they're real stories, real people with real results. Balance of Nature is easy to get. You just go to balanceofnature.com. You put my name, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, into the promo code and you get 35% off your first order and free shipping always. Balanceofnature.com. When we come back, Max Gold, taking you to new heights, your life, that is, with plane storming. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I used to travel a lot as a child. Um, my parents and I lived overseas um, for, boy, starting at age six and really pretty much until I was in college. We were living in different countries and traveling all over the world. And it was kind of the golden age of flying, I think. That's back when uh, 
we, we used to actually dress up with our patent leather shoes to get on an airplane. It was that fancy. Um, and it was really a great experience. By the time I was 13, I was going back and forth from South America, Brazil to, to Indiana and New York and all different places by myself. And I was always, um, Something started happening to me when I was about that age. I'd get up in a plane and I would start to feel as soon as the plane would take off that I somehow was getting, I don't know, kind of closer to God or closer to my own thoughts and my own reality. And I would think very deeply during those trips. And it became a habit to say prayers when I was flying. And also um, I would envision myself getting to where I was going safely. It was a real uh, interesting spiritual time for me being up in an airplane. And, I, and I'm still to this day kind of interested at whether anybody else ever had that experience or not. But I really look back on those times of being alone in the plane by myself and just kind of connected, uh, you know, with my spirituality and God and and trying to think about what I wanted in my life. And lo and behold, uh, all these many decades later, I come into contact with someone who has just written and released a brand new book, which reminds me of that in many ways, it is a wonderful philosophy and a great guidebook to make your dreams a reality. Max Gold is here with his new book. It's called Planestorming. Yeah, you heard me. Planestorming. Not brainstorming, but planestorming. Taking your life to new heights. Max Gold, thank you so much for joining us on the way home. Thank you, Laura. It's an honor uh, to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to get in a plane to be able to understand your book or to get closer to their dreams and goals and God and everything else. It That was my experience. But I find it interesting that you took your uh, vision for trying to help people come in closer contact to who they are and what their dreams are and using the metaphor of, of a plane. And your all the chapters are based on sort of you know, uh, uh, liking it to uh, different aspects of the trip, I would say. So it's really a journey. So uh, talk about your premise, if you would, because you're not you're not a writer by trade. You're, you're a financial services guy, right? Yes, yes. I uh, well, I grew up in uh, in entertainment uh, through my family, um, but uh, that wasn't the direction I was going to go. I went more of the business route. And then uh, I did work in the music industry, went through a layoff, had to reinvent myself and uh, moved from New York to Florida, Orlando about 20 years ago and then um, uh, grew my business. And then um, actually, uh, I'm not not a writer, not a journalist, not a blogger, um, but um, sometimes, you know, tragedy happens in life and then um, you become who you don't think you you know, you are. And uh, that's kind of what happened to me about uh, starting six years ago, but technically five years ago. And um, so I had the opportunity to um, get in planes and, and, uh, and grieve and um, just grateful that God used me to hopefully help others, but also um, heal. Uh, and traveling on planes allowed me to heal. And um, so I can, you know, talk m- more about it, uh, but I'm just, uh, you know, just grateful for uh, the opportunity to put something in print and be able to share it. So 
you you mentioned you went through a personal tragedy um without getting into big details but you lost your mm-hmm. your life who was the love of your life and you had two children and obviously that's a very young age to lose a wife you know in your i, I would imagine what your your 30s or 40s yes so uh you know everything was great you know we had the you know i had the love of my life we had the boy and the girl we had the dog we had the house we had our careers and in 2017 uh, uh, she fell ill and in 2018 uh, she was hospitalized uh, and it was incredibly traumatic um, but uh, she suffered a, a brain hemorrhage and, and passed away uh, uh, she was 42 I was 45 and my kids were 12 and 19 uh, so our world was obviously rocked and we didn't have experience with this. And, uh, in the same year, my son then went off to boot camp. Our church closed its doors. My dog passed away. It was really, really, really tough, Laura. And, um, I've been blessed to be able to help folks in the airline industry. So I traveled a lot from Orlando to many different bases around domestically mostly east of the Mississippi. And uh, this just came to me. And uh, I said, you know, I I know that people need to hear this story, but it's not about my story. It's a a manuscript that can help them with their journey. And, you know, we kept it uh, light with the different chapters and topics to help people go along the way and maybe relate to, you know, where they're at in life and things of that nature. Yeah. So for people to understand, really, this book is really like we said before, a guidebook. I would call it a workbook, actually. It's yes. it's for the reader to truly contemplate and get in touch with basically who they are, really at the core of themselves, and define what it is that they truly want in life. And you give really beautiful practical steps, again, a lot of it metaphorically, with flying, taking new heights, losing your baggage, uh, things like this that just make total sense and make it fun and and light and cheerful on the way. But you have these, you know, large swaths of uh, empty lines that people are supposed to use to fill in with their journey, with their questions for themselves, with their answers that they're finding along the way. My um, question to you is, was this the methodology that you took to help get you through and out of your biggest storm? Uh, I think so. I mean, maybe not exclusively, but yes. And not only writing it, but finishing it because I, I, I wrote it pretty much, you know, in 2018 and then it sat there and sat there and sat there and was tugging at me, Laura, I got to figure it out. I got to figure out a way. And then by the grace of God, I have a friend whose wife has a publishing company and he said, just send it to her. I thought nothing of it. And her and her business partner said, we love it. We'd love to help you and we'd love to release it. And we think definitely more of the workbook, like you mentioned, would be helpful. And uh, they helped finish what I started. And now I have an unbelievable piece um, because I feel like there's something that when it's my time to go, can be left here to help others. So, yes, mm-hmm. to answer your question. Yeah, it's really, it. it's a, a wonderful format. And 
um, I, there is a lot of reference to one's spirituality, one's relationship with God, because as as we all know, we are not one dimensional in any sense. It's not just about finding your career and, you know, what kind of job you want to have and, you know, riding off into the sunset. It's 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 it goes a bit deeper than that. And you have a, a references to the Old and the New Testament in there. And it's a, it it really is for people who are are willing to go spiritually within as well as with the sort of you know, the outwardly things that we all feel that we're striving for in this life, not just to survive, but to thrive. And but you you do have a spiritual weaving throughout your book. How important is that to you? Um, has it been in your life, spirituality and God and church and family and such? Um, very, very much so. Um, I kind of had a mixed upbringing. Uh, sometimes I'm sure folks can be brought up by two different religions and it can be very confusing and uh, it was very confusing and when i met my wife in 1999 you know we knew we wanted to continue to grow our family and we had to be in one accord and uh so um we embraced christianity and then when we moved to orlando we really started participating in a church and i, I give my bishop uh, all, all the all the gratitude for leading us to the Lord the right way. And by doing so, I was prepared for this storm. And I'm so grateful um, because um, I didn't have to go searching. Um, and and, and uh, so absolutely, it's so important. And, and once again, a lot of my peers think that this is a, a memoir, an autobiography, you know, kind of I kind of once they open it up, they say, "Oh my goodness, it's really a a, a spiritual workbook." Uh, I think designed for for anyone, for anyone that may, you know, not uh, necessarily be be saved or have a spiritual background, or someone maybe they backslid, or someone that just needs reinforcement. I think it serves all you know categories, and it really brings a, a lot of peace. I think you know reading different passages. And and once again, looking at life, 30,000 feet in the air, not worrying so much about the taxi and the bicycle in front of us and, you know, where we're going to get our dinner from tonight. Right, right. And, um, you know, there are some beautiful examples in there. I really I do enjoy your your references, like I said, to flying in a plane and, and kind of journeying through life. And you do a lot of it tongue in cheek and with a lot of humor and, and, you know, lightness. You, you're, you're also truly encouraging people throughout it. You really are rooting for them as they go through and you're encouraging them to take the steps that are in the book to really sit down with pen and paper and with the quietness within yourself to really come to some of these conclusions. One of the, the one of the first exercises is to find somebody that you trust and that you love to sit and actually tell you what they think maybe your your faults are or or things that they think that you might be able to improve on. And I have to say the first my first thought was I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm not saying someone let them criticize me. I do that enough of myself. But but I, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, it would be an interesting exercise. And one, if you're really prepared to uh, self-reflect and go inside and find your truth, it, it, it would be an interesting exercise. Did you do that? 
Did you have somebody that you did that with? Well, I, I sure did. And it happens to be my 17-year-old daughter. Um, I love her so much. I know she loves me. We have been through a storm, uh, particularly, like I said, because my son has been off to the military. And I asked her and I made it very clear, you know, a teenager, they're not going to want to do it. But when she found out it was <laughs> about me, <laughs> she loved and welcomed the opportunity. It didn't take too long. And I, I did it about a, a week ago, Laura, and I've actually changed in that area. I've had two or three challenging situations that I thought about the conversation with my daughter and I, she's the world to me. And I changed. I changed my attitude. I paused. I thought and I responded better. And then I actually shared it with her and her telling me she was proud of me. That, that that's all that matters in life. Yeah, that was the icing on the cake for sure. So so you have taken your own exercises that you've you've done here. Um, have you gone through the entire workbook? Yes, uh, absolutely. I have. So you, my... you, you've written in the spaces. I'm looking at him on Zoom. Open up his book, his plainstorming book. Oh yes, okay. You have filled in all the blanks. Excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, obviously one thing is telling others, you know, a great way to, to find, you know, peace and, and wholeness and so forth. And another thing is to have experience with doing it yourself so that you really speak from a place of, you know, experience, authority and and, um, you know, also compassion and empathy for other people, because you know what it's like to have to go through and answer these questions and such. Um you're already doing the book's only been out what a week or so and it's it's already hit the list on Amazon. <laughs> it has. It has. I'm, I mean it's it's all warm market liking and sharing and amazing people like you that give me the opportunity. Um it's 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 fantastic. It's uh of course in the in the, like a vocational category, but I think that's exactly uh part of what this journey is about. So yes, I'm so grateful um for the response so far super the again the book is called plane storming and it's got a great uh graphic on it of a plane going up into the sun um it's taking your life to new heights and i think so many of us want to do that we find ourselves extremely busy inundated with so much content, uh, a lot of it from our phones, but a lot of it having to do with other people. We're sort of observing other people's lives when we consume our, our content and our media on our phones, our televisions, our tablets and whatsoever. But this is your opportunity to focus on yourself. And there is no better time than now than to get started on truly becoming the person you want to be and achieving those goals you want to achieve in your life because it goes fast and it's easy to get sidetracked. And then you wake up one day and you go, you know, I, I remember having this dream 25 years ago and I still haven't acted upon it. Take time for yourself and go through this workbook. You will be championed as you go through. Max Gold is a wonderful, as I said again, a cheerleader for everybody who's reading it. You you sense his, his great... Um, excitement for you as you go on your journey and support you feel his support 
going through planestorming, taking your life to new heights. I think you're working on some other nonprofit situation. Is that something you want to share with us, or do you want to wait until that's uh, out there no, as well? It's okay. It's okay. When I when I met my my wife, she was a single mom, and um, and she struggled and she struggled. And uh, my heart just bleeds for people that either single moms. Or you know, uh, survivors of trauma, PTSD, things of that nature, and um, I really love the tiny home space, uh, Laura. And uh, so I have my first tiny home. It's on order, being manufactured, hopefully soon. Uh, but we're going to put it on a friend's property. He actually lost his wife about eight years ago, and uh, become a very good friend of mine. And uh, the goal is to continue to put more there and to have a community that can be. Uh, beneficial for folks. I mean, rent, you know, in the country is so expensive right now. People are sharing places. And I think that this will be a a beautiful um, vision that hopefully can help people have a safe place to stay. Um, And they're also off grid, which is really exciting. So they have solar water collection. Uh, You know, I think it's going to be beautiful and hopefully just a blessing to other people, which is really my goal at this point in my life moving forward. Oh, a tiny house coming to a home near you. It sounds really wonderful. Well, you are living a, truly a golden life, Max Gold, and and really sharing your wealth with others. And, and I'm talking about spiritual wealth, um, obviously, the financial that goes in there, but your, your knowledge and, and your life's journey, I bet your wife would be very proud of you from her vantage point. And... Um, I'm I'm very grateful to know you and to also to tell everyone about Plainstorming, which is his book, Taking Your Life to New Heights. Thank you so much for being on the way home. Thank you, Laura. Thank you to you and your staff. I'm so grateful and appreciative. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you as well. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, there are some young people who give me great hope for the future of the world. People that um, I feel that are really kind of old souls and very young bodies and minds and who are making a difference in so many ways on so many different levels. My guest is Milan Cordestani. He is not only an entrepreneur, but he's also a writer and a founder of several companies. Yes, several companies. Um, but he is also redefining the meaning of success in business, being that he is younger than most of your professionals that have accomplished all of these things that I just mentioned. Um, I'm so interested in hearing about his whole take on the fact that he wants to encourage solutions for business that kind of base themselves on narration and civil uh, discourse, which is something I never thought I would hear a young person want to discuss and and uh, tackle. But thank you so much for j- joining us today, uh, Milan. I am so interested in the fact that I don't know how old you are. I don't know if it's even relevant to the conversation, but I know that you are speaking to a much younger audience in some ways, but it is going to be the world that we're all going to be living in. Um, are you, you call yourself a gen next? I, I, I say that this book is for gen next, but I describe myself on the upper cusp of gen Z. 
Okay, which for uh, most of us who don't speak that language perfectly, what age bracket is that more or less? Gen Z, uh, so I'm 24 years old, so I'm on the upper cusp of that. I was born in 1999, but anyone that was kind of born, uh, you know, after that 1999 period, early 2000s and such, that's Gen Z, this this next generation that's, um, you know, going into college currently, high school and middle school aged. So how is it at age 24, you've done all that you've done? Like I said, you've, you've founded several companies and some of them sound fascinating. Um, how is it that you have done that in such a short amount of time? Did you start when you were a teenager? Were you one of those kids who graduated from college when you were nine? <laughs> What's your background? So, Tell us your story. It's That's so interesting. So I never, I didn't graduate college when I was nine, I, although I think I might've seen that on TV when I was younger and thought, ooh, maybe I could do that. Um, but I started building my first startup company when I was in, uh, middle school, or it wasn't even a startup at the time. It was like a backyard operation. I was, uh, breeding and selling rare species of turtles, which is a skill I learned on YouTube. And, uh, I was basically selling to aquarium enthusiasts across the country. And I, I, you know, I had a PayPal account at the time I would collect payment into and, it, it grew from there, but you know, I, th- my first couple businesses were agriculture related, and that was my f- my first start or the first real gig I felt like I earned was uh, I started writing tons and tons of content about the agriculture industry and how I felt it was inhumane and there was so much more that we could be doing and my young perspective on that and just pitching that to as many publications as I could. And eventually, the first one that responded was um, the Huffington Post and Ariana Huffington's, and you know, I was like. I'm 16 years old. I want to write for, you know, about this industry from a youth perspective. I don't think you have enough of these perspectives. And so that first gig, you know, like when you land that first gig, it gives you the confidence to then go on and do the next one. And so I think, uh, that's, that's how I started, or at least the first, the first opportunity that got me here. And especially in this writing industry as well. Yes. And your book is called I'm Just Saying a guide to maintaining civil discourse in an increasingly divided world. Wow. It, talk about timely. I don't think, I mean, I'm much, much older than you. And I can tell you that I've never, ever experienced what we are going through right now, which is this right. sense of feeling like we're divided from one another, no matter how much we dislike feeling that way, because none of us want, want to feel that way. It's, um, it's, it's sad and depressing, but we are. And, and I, you know, we sit around and try to, you know, pin it on what we think it's all about is whether it's politics or whether it's the advent of, you know, the internet and everybody's on social media and, you know, without looking at each other face to face, they think they can say just about anything to one another where it, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. We didn't have that opportunity to just start to writing to strangers and telling them, giving them a piece of our mind in without even having known who they were. So um where is this coming from, this division in in your mind? And and tell us really what the premise of your book in terms of what you think is are some of the solutions. Yes. So it's a really great question. I think that when you or my parents or previous generations were growing up, it felt less polarizing despite the news and media cycle doing something similar, which is actually creating a lot of the, this division through these really intense headlines to try to create engagement. Um, at the end of the day, it's this engagement economy. 
But that's when news was one way, right? The publishers would create content and you would read it or you would consume it uh, on radio, television, newspapers, and so on. And then you would go discuss things face-to-face with your family and your friends. And there would be this conversation that would happen. Now, the challenge is when we move to the, you know, a digital era, all of a sudden news became two-way and it, it wasn't thought of beyond just let's create a comment section and allow people to comment on it and see what happens. And once that started happening on social media, it, you know, it became quite complex quite quickly because all of a sudden these conversations that are really difficult and, you know, require a lot of nuance and communication, um, all that nuance is gone because on social media, you don't understand someone's emotion. You don't understand where they're coming from or their perspective or any of that. And you don't even have the opportunity really to ask those questions. Uh, you know, you're lucky if you see someone that left a terrible comment and they have a public profile and you could learn a little bit more about them. But even then that's quite shallow, right? And so we end up in these conversations with people with some form of keyboard courage. And the truth is we need to have the courage to be um, having a lot more of, of these types of conversations, right? Like how do we create, make a better environment on social media and how do we show up better to the conversation, which in large part is what my book is about. It, it's it's about people showing up better, whether it's online or in person um, with the intention of conducting civil discourse, which uh, at its at its root level is the ability to seek out common ground on any topic, no matter how divisive it is. Right. And I think, you know, really, if you think of the the premise of of communication, you know, for at least people in my generation, you know, that was being taught manners, right? You, We were taught manners. We were we were taught, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to say to someone um, being polite, things like that, which, you know, for some people, they say, oh, th- who, you know, that's silly. That's uh, Pollyanna ish. And not so important. And I grew up in a couple of different countries. So I got to experience communication from a lot of different angles from people from many, many cultures. And there was always a high premium placed on being kind to one another, accepting one another because we were all from different places. And so that was just, that was that background in educationally speaking. And when I grew up partially in Australia, they, they, place a huge emphasis on being polite and being kind. And so, you know, that was like, it was just ingrained into the personality. But, um, you know, this generation, I I don't, I mean, I know that there are parents that are still teaching their children to be kind to one another and and listen and also give your opinion without being, um, you know, super didactic and angry or forceful or whatever. But um, it's, it's not, everywhere and it's not everyone did you grow up in this country milan i did so i I grew up in the u.s with um two iranian immigrant parents and uh who both grew up in in you know rather muslim households and they sent me to catholic school with the same type of mentality that you just had which was that the majority of great religions cultures whatever it is across the world they're in building cultures of this idea that you take care of your neighbor that you're kind to one another that you're stewards of the land um these are these are values that tend to be uh you know universal among the human experience. And so what what's really happening is you're valuing communication and human connection. And when we start to recognize that that's, that's what's important, right, is we are uniquely able to compound our abilities by connecting with one another as a society. That's what makes us as humans like really amazing. 
um, then you recognize that anything short of creating common ground with other people to connect with them, devolving into defensiveness and arguments that end up with a winner and a loser is actually a net loss for our culture, whether it's at a country level or, you know, at a society human level. Absolutely. And what would be if you could just take a few of your like your top three greatest hits on suggestions for creating a more civil discourse uh, amongst us? What what are some of them that you could share with us that we might be able to implement uh, the next time we get into conversation with others? Yes. So one of them is active listening. And you touched on this briefly, but the active listening is so important because active listening is this idea that we're not listening just so we can come back and create a point and be right and prove that someone else is wrong, but rather we're active listening so that we can ask questions to better understand the person and why they've come to the conclusions that they've come to and the perspectives that they hold so deeply, uh, especially if they're defensive or angry or so on. It's it's a great tool to be able to kind of walk that backwards and understand, okay, show that you want to understand someone and why they're so passionate about something. And that then allows you to then respond appropriately to find common ground. Um, another is, is self-reflection, understanding yourself and your own ego. What, what are the experiences that have made you hold certain values so intensely? Um, what makes you so defensive during certain conversations? And, um, you know, when you start to better understand yourself, then it becomes a lot easier to connect with others as well. That's beautiful. Absolutely. As with everything, um, in life, those, those would be helpful. Uh, you've started uh, some interesting companies. I'd like to just throw this in so that people can understand your sort of background of success that you've already had. Um, tell us about a few of your several. <laughs> sure. So one of them is this company called Audo, A-U-D-O dot com. And it's an alternative to college and higher education. Um, for $39 a month, you get all access to over 15,000 courses created from companies like Meta and IBM and Google. Um, but really, we have over a thousand career paths that we can recommend using AI. And the idea here is using AI to make sense of all of this educational content that exists on the internet and tailor them to job market demand. So whatever it is you want to do out of high school, if you are saying, I don't want to take out loans, I don't want to go to um, college, you know, I want to just get to work and build experience and, you know, build up a resume doing that. Uh, we, we are a lot of times that first step for people. Um, and that's, that's what we've built. And we launched um, earlier this year and uh, about three or four months ago, and we've been all over the country now presenting it, demoing it, uh, getting people on board, working with schools and uh, community colleges. So uh, nonprofits as well. So yeah. Fascinating, truly fascinating. Did you go to college yourself? I did go to college and that was where I found the need for this. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Wow, it sounds completely, um, you know, groundbreaking and, and it's probably going to change the way a lot of people, uh, present futures to their, to their kids and, you know, different opportunities and options, uh, for higher learning. That's so great. Um, and any others that you're proud of besides writing this beautiful book? Um, yes. and any other businesses that are unique? Yeah. So one of them that uh, came out of this book or that inspired this book is this company called The Doe. Um, if you go to it, the doe.com, it's an anonymous publishing company. And so basically people would come to us and tell us, I have a perspective I want to share in the world and I want people to talk about, but I don't 
want to get canceled for this. I don't need my family to know. I just think that this needs to be talked about. And so we would vet that the story happened to them. We would vet that they are who they are and publish those. And you can find the dough on social media, especially on Instagram. But um, we've, we sparked a lot of civil discourse and great conversations online. And that was, that was the hope for it. And so, um, you know, you know, one was creating that place for those stories to exist, but uh, the other is helping foster those great community like conversations online because maintaining that civility is, is definitely a challenge. And uh, you know, while that's at scale, I hope this book on a much smaller solution can help individuals start to approach conversations better. I can't think of anything more important right about now. And you are certainly leading the charge. Milan Kordistani with a wonderful book. I'm just saying is the name of it. I'm just saying a guide to maintaining civil discourse and in an increasingly divided world. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for your commitment to these ideals that I think as long as we are human and we are living on this earth, we are going to have the need for these ideals. And indeed, you're, you're offering a wonderful blueprint with your work. And I thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. I'm inspired. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for the great questions. Um, it's it's really great to be able to have this book out finally and talk about it. So I'm just me. saying, yes, I love the name of it. I'm just saying. <laughs> per- <laughs> perfect. Milan Cordestani. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. I cannot believe it's already that time where families actually have to start planning their summers with their kids. Um, it just seems like time is flying. And it's really also the time that I think when you are planning around activities for the summer for your kids and stuff, you really take into consideration that something interesting that I learned is that kids in the summer tend to do less activity and eat poorer foods. I would have thought it would be the other way around for whatever reason, but Dawn Jackson Blattner is a registered dietitian, nutritionist. She's a sports dietetic expert, and she's also an author of two books. Um, I'm really happy to have you on today, Dawn, because I, I really thought, well, because it's summer, that gives kids the opportunity to be out more often and swimming and riding bikes and playing and things like that. I would not have thought that the opposite is true, that they actually get less activity in their lives and they eat poorer. So so tell me what about the report that took place uh, to figure all this out and to keep their kids in, you know, happy, nutritional and, and full of exercise over the summer. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned this report. So a Society of Behavior of Medicine report came out and said, yep, physical activity from kids between six and nine years old drops 53% over the summer that kids wow. are staying inside on their screens with like phones, TV, video games, and they're just spending less time outdoors doing physical activities. And so I have some ideas that can help get us all excited about going outside because that movement and activity can really jumpstart a healthier way of living. And so, you know, it's bad news to hear that kids are less active. But the good news is you don't have to do too much to get them re-engaged. So a couple of ideas that I really love in terms of, you know, healthy eating is just get kids in the kitchen. We know that cooking together is more fun, but also we know that when kids are preparing foods, they actually end up 
liking the food more and actually eating it. So, you know, good nutrition is actually going into their body when they help in the kitchen. And another thing that I love to do, I did this with my stepsons growing up and I still do it, is I keep a snack list on the fridge of like, hey, you're hungry? You don't have to go look around the house. Here's what we have to snack on. And so I'll put like hard boiled egg, you know, cheese sticks, yogurt, grapes, apples. You know, I put a list of what we have to snack on so, you know, you don't have to go all around. Um, And when it comes to activity, one of the things that I really love, I've been doing this with my clients lately, choose your own adventure jar where I write down like, you know, what you could do, build an obstacle course, build a fort, create a scavenger hunt. And I put all these ideas in a jar so a kid can go and pick out one for the summer day and say, okay, yes, you know, I'm inspired to be active and gives them an idea of, you know, where they can put their creativity and energy in, you know, so there's just some ideas to, to sort of think. It doesn't have to be so dramatic, but these little things can make a big difference to get our kids active in the summer. Absolutely. I think that is so great. It makes me sad when I think of maybe young kids, my daughter's so, you know, so old at this point, but it makes me sad because during her, the time that she was being raised, I mean, yes, they had video games, but it was kind of like Donkey Kong, that kind of thing. And, it, we, you know, we would time it out how she would get only this amount of time on there, and then that would be it. She'd have to do a different activity. But I, I do fear that kids these days, they're in more, they're on their screens, on their phones, and they're talking to friends now on their phones and watching movies on their phone. You know, everything is based around this phone, like you said, and indoors and not out in the sunshine and playing. So I love these great tips. So make a list of the snacks you have as opposed to having just like a cupboard full of like potato chips and, you know, candy. Uh, you have a list of what they're allowed to eat and it's accessible. I think that's a fantastic idea. And then I love oh, yeah. the adventure jar. What a great yes. idea. I wish I'd it's thought very, of that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's very fun. I have another one too. I make these make ahead breakfast egg boxes. And so what I do is I put an Eglin's best egg in there. So it's hard boiled. I put a whole grain English muffin, a few chunks of cheese and some grapes. And I make these little boxes, a bunch of them. I keep them in the fridge for the week. And so then any time, you know, we're in a rush, you can just go grab and go one of these breakfast egg boxes that's totally a balanced and healthy meal. And I specifically am saying Eglin's best egg because this is such a smart swap. Instead of an ordinary egg, when you choose an Eglin's best egg, you get six times more vitamin D, 25% less saturated fat, and double the omega-3 than an ordinary egg. So, you know, I'm all about what is a quick and easy thing I can do to get more nutrition in my family. And swapping an ordinary egg to an England's best egg is such a great, easy way to get more nutrition. I've always wondered about Eglin's Best because I see the, the marketing and I see the commercials and it always says they're, they, they're more nutritional than other eggs. And, um, I, I find that so interesting. Um, is it the way that the, the chickens are raised or is it because yes. they're free range or, or how, so, why yes. is that? So you're right on. So when you see that EB stamp on the egg, it means that those hens have been fed such a nutritious diet that in fact, their eggs come out with more nutrition. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. It's, it's a real, it's the real thing. It's a real deal and something you can feel very good about. And I, you know, I think one of the things that happens is there's just so many ideas out there of like, you know, what you could be doing and what you should be doing. 
I want to tell you, there's one really cool place that you can get started if you want to have a more active and healthy summer with your kids. Eglin's Best has teamed up with the YMCA for its Healthy Kids Day, and that's on April 29th. So mark your calendar because, listen, it's free, it's nationwide, and your family can go and play games, have activities, have crafts really inspire this idea of an active summer, an active, healthy summer. And as a proud sponsor, Eglin's Best is providing all sorts of resources and tips to encourage families, you know, to have more fun and to stay active. And another thing I got to say, this is so cool. Eglin's Best is giving families the chance to win $5,000 plus other great prizes in a sweepstakes that's happening now through May 5th. So one place to start to get all of these great information, sweepstakes, my recipes, so like healthy summer ideas, all in one place is at ebfamilysweeps.com. And um, I got to tell you, you know, that's so exciting. $5,000 plus extra prizes is like motivating (laughs) to go to that website. Absolutely. And eggs have been so in the news, you know, because of inflation and everything. But they're still so important. It's such a staple. I personally, I, I eat eggs every day. Um, I talk to people like you and who say that, you know, eating eggs is fantastic for you nutritionally. And EB, um, the Eglin's Best, I love that you just, you know, told me about how they are more nutritious than regular eggs and also the way, the way they are raising them and the way they feed them and such. I think that's so great. And this sweepstake, Sounds awesome, too. Tell me the the, uh, website for the sweepstakes one more time. Yes, it's called the Recipe for Healthy Family Sweepstakes, which, by the way, you can enter daily, and that's at ebfamilysweeps.com. ebfamilysweeps.com. And I just think of, I'm so hungry right now, I'm thinking of all the ways (laughs) I love to eat eggs, between deviled eggs and egg salad and... Uh, scrambled eggs. I mean, the sky is the limit, but England's best sounds wonderful. And I'm so happy to hear about all these fantastic tips. Once again, ebfamilysweeps.com. Don Jackson Blattner, thank you so much for your wonderful energy today and, and your great tips on hopefully having your kids be active and healthy this summer. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I feel very inspired after those wonderful authors uh, shared their ideas of living a, a, a truly not only um, a purposeful and mindful life, but a life that is uh, kind of carried out in civil terms, how we can speak to each other with more empathy, more more kindness, and just more humanity. So grateful to them, Max Gold and Milan Cordestani, and uh, for another man who's inspirational and all that good stuff thrown into one, Jim Cleefield, my guru of good news. You have a good story this week. I know you went away last week. I did, and it happens to be in Florida, by the way, where I just came back from a wonderful trip, as a matter of fact, in the Tampa area. So the story kind of originates from that, even though it was before my trip. I just found it about this recently, but I'm happy to share it. Please do. Well, it was in Hillsborough County, Florida, as a matter of fact. And uh, what happened was uh, there was a group of friends 
who had just taken a, a little pontoon trip along the waters in Hillsborough County. They were having some dinner together, Samantha Conover, some her fiancé and friends, uh, when all of a sudden they had gotten word that a father and daughter who were jet skiing were missing, and they haven't returned, right? Well, they, they came back. They bought their pontoon back. They were ready to head out and just have some more fun. When they met to one of the uh, officers, Kevin Reich, who had been trying to search for this father and daughter, Christopher Shaw, he's 31 years old, and 13-year-old Alexis. And there was fear they would never, ever return again, or so they thought. So Samantha said to him, why don't you go with me? We'll take our boat down. Let's see if we can try to find them. Because he'd been conducting a search to find these two. They didn't know what happened on the jet ski. Well, after a long searching, all of a sudden, they heard a scream for help. It was the teen. It was, it was the girl, Alexis. Well, it turns out their jet ski had sunk and that they were basically treading water for hours and hours on end, and they were able to rescue them uh, coming back. And it's a good thing, as I said, that Samantha made that decision to go out there. And may, they may not have survived that trip. Well, you can imagine, you know, Kevin was just very relieved, and uh, the fact that it just it added you know, to the fact that they're grateful that these two survived because it was a very fun evening. And, you know, the, and quite frankly, Samantha was really worried about them. She had fear of the worst, right? But uh, somehow, as I say, the fact that she made that very decision – with the officer to go out there and find them. And thankfully, they found them on the water, and they're home safe. They're happy and good for them, as I said, because this is before I made that trip to Tampa. I didn't realize that. But, uh, again, it's another sign of you know kindness and saving lives. It's something we, we see a lot of every day, and it's just really wonderful that, they, that those two you know, live to tell about it. Oh, by the way, when this happened, they were wearing life vests. It was the jet ski that sunk. And it's a good reminder that you need to wear your life vest whenever you're out on the water. I mean, that is just a must-have. For sure. You, you, they're thinking they're just out for a joyride and then out for pay, maybe some dinner and some fun. And it turns into a life-saving mission. And they're just regular people, but doing the right thing and, and helping. Wow. I'm so happy for everybody that those two made it out alive. Wonderful stuff there, Jimmy. And uh, I'm so grateful to always hear an inspirational story to, to end our program every week. Thank you, too, to Bob Small, who's manning the controls very quietly to this week, I might I add. I was going to say something, but didn't get any chance to say anything. You were being civil. Yes. Right? Quite you true. civil and not interrupting. I step all over you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you. I so enjoy having you both along for the ride on the way home every single week. And all of you listening, it is just, um, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And I'm so grateful always to uh, be, hopefully, wherever you've got your radio tuned in or the app to listen to the program and hopefully get something good and inspirational and joyful from it every week. I send you lots of love and we'll see you next time here on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.